Okay, so uh, we're going to continue from where we left off the other day, where we were talking about the image of God in Genesis 1.28, relationships, and then how that builds into everything that we do from marriage to friendships, um, relationships with your leaders, relationships with your roommates, relationships with your neighbor, uh, everything. So today we're going to hone in on friendships. That's going to be the relationship that we really go for. Now there's three relationships or three sets of relationships that I'm going to aim at. One is David and Jonathan. The second one is the apostles. And then three are Daniel and his friends in Babylon. So those are the ones that we're going to go after. Okay, is anyone familiar with these relationships? How many of you know David and Jonathan? Is anyone familiar with that one? All right, what about the apostles? Are you sure? That one's, one's kind of hidden. Are you, you know the apostles? All right, well, today I'm going to teach you. <laughs> All right, what about um, Daniel and his friends in Babylon? How do you know those? All right, good. Well, I guess I'm done then. <laughs> All right, so um, let's go ahead and start out with uh, 1 Samuel 20, 42. So what we can see with these scriptures is that uh, with these stories in the Bible, when you see these friends under pressure, you get to see what they're really made out of. And so the question that we want to ask ourselves is that when you put our friendships under pressure or you see our friendships side by side, do they look like these type of relationships? And so I'll define what a burning relationship looks like through all of these relationships here. All right, so the first one is, um, I kind of mentioned it before, but Daniel, uh, David, and Jonathan, they started their relationship and, um, as friends, and his dad, Jonathan, uh, Saul, Jonathan's dad, wanted to kill David. And so they were trying to figure out, are they really, um, is that really what's happening here? And so the first litmus test that you have here, at last Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in Lord's, in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. So the first thing that you'll notice with the relationship between David and Jonathan is that it's built on conviction and it's built on covenant with God. And so you want to ask yourself with your relationships, how much conviction do you have in your friendships? Like when you talk to your, each other, do you feel like you're more and more convicted about who Jesus Christ is? When you talk to your roommates right now, do you feel more and more about the conviction of Christ in your life? Um, and you'll also notice that the, the conviction isn't a worldly conviction. It's not built on the Black Panthers or some political movement or like a band or a club or something. It's built on Jesus. It's built on the Lord. And so they both know their relationships start out with, I have a covenant with God that I made because I follow him. And then the other friend has a covenant with God that they made because they follow Jesus. And both of them together are uh, working are side by side with this covenant with Jesus together. And then they're committed in conviction to being an image of who Jesus is in their life. And that's what you want to see in your relationship. 
you don't want to have uh, relationships where uh, you, you don't want to fill a, a void with a relationship. There's nothing wrong with having people that you minister to that have no idea who Jesus is. That's, that's good. You want to have as many people in your circle of influence that don't know who God is. That's, that's fine. That's part of our walk. But what you want to make sure that you have, especially when you cultivate relationships, is that at the center of your relationships is Jesus. And so they look a little different sometimes. Sometimes when you get together with a friend um, outside of Jesus, you might come together for like a video game or something, or like a movie. So every time you guys hang out with each other, you're playing a video game, you're watching TV, like all these kind of normal things, right? But when you're with uh, someone that's burning for Jesus, you might come together because you want to go to church or something or because you want to read the Bible, or you want to actually, if you ask any of your friends in public school, a majority of them maybe, hey, do you want to have a Bible class with me or a Bible teaching with me? They might look at you and think you're stupid and go like, why would I want to spend my time reading the Bible when I could be smoking crack? Like they might be thinking like that. But if you ask someone here, hey, do you want to read the Bible with me? They might want to. Like they actually might want to. And you don't, you don't know. That's the thing when you're developing relationships that are godly is that if you ask one of your friends here, do you want to pray with me about something? They might say, yeah. <laughs> like that might be a normal thing that they want to do. Or, they might, or you might talk to each other and say, hey, there's something that I'm trying to process. Can, I, can you pray with me? And I want to see what the Lord's telling you prophetically too. And that's, that's stuff that you do when you're in a relationship that's burning for God. It may be awkward when you're with people that aren't saved, but when you're with people that love Jesus, that's actually a place where you could find each other. And you might have to be the one to make the initiative of it. You might have to be the one to tell, ask each other, hey, you want to go pray? You want to go do this? What's the Lord talking to you about your life right now? I was uh, talking to Claudia earlier, and it's both her and I. All of our relationships, all we talk about is God now. Like we don't talk, if we're watching, if, even if we saw a movie, we're asking them, what did God tell you about the movie? If we listen to a song, if we go somewhere, if we eat food, we do things that people do, but the center of it is what, what's the Lord encountering you with or talking to you about now? And that's the type of relationships that are in the Bible. Those are the ones that we're speaking about with David and Jonathan. All right, so it's based on conviction. All right, let's go to the next one. 1 Samuel 20, verse 32. But why should he be put to death? He's talking to his dad right now, and he's asking him, why does David have to be put to death? What's the big, what's the big point here? And then Jonathan asked his father, what has he done? And so I went over a little bit of this uh, yesterday, but you, want, you also want to um, make sure that when you're talking to each other, I mentioned it with um, Herodias um, the other day, but... How often do we defend each other's reputation, right? That's like, how often do you look at your friends and then when you're processing something or you're talking to somebody, you actually have this, this sense of honoring your friends around you, which is not super common in this generation. Half of the comedies that we watch on TV is someone making fun of somebody else. Like you'll see a dad making fun of a kid. 
You'll see a, a girlfriend making fun of a guy. You'll see a friend or a brother making fun friend of a brother. And then what we, we start doing is we start defining ourselves by what we see in television or in movies. But if you look at the Bible, friends don't do that to each other. They actually honor and they protect and they, they cleanse each other's reputations. That's what they, that's what they go for. It's, it's kind of interesting because this kind of stuff is kind of alien. Like I don't even see this stuff too often in the church or it's, I see it in communities and stuff like that. But I don't see this, this stuff happening a lot anywhere. Like it's just, it's so, we're so far off the Richter scale of God's uh, love for each other that we some, sometimes the most basic thing of honoring each other isn't even existent in something as a friend. And so I'll tell you this too, if we have friends where, if we have friendships where we can't honor each other, we can't protect each other, we don't have healthiness with our friends, you will definitely not have it with your wife or husband. That's a, that's a clear sign. When you, I'm gonna talk about it uh, in two days, but with, me, with Claudia, but you're, the person that you marry should actually be like a healthy friend. Not like a friend that's filling up a void and you're like a vortex and you're sucking them into your life. I'm not talking about like a black abyss, but I'm talking about you have these traits and then you have all of these traits with friends already. So you have friends that you have conviction with. You have friends that you, you righteously defend each other. You have friends that you're more concerned about eternal matters than you are about the world. And then so when you meet a husband or a wife or a significant other, they just fall into the rest of the friends that you have. That's how you balance your, your life with that. All right, so we see David and Jonathan. He goes forward and he's talking to his dad. And then um, he, um, this is before he had that conversation, but he doesn't know what he's gonna get into, all right? This one we kind of see, but you see inside of his life, it really, it really plays a role. Um, Jonathan does this in uh, verse, chapter 18, verse four. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, his bow, and his belt. And so he took off everything that he had that was one of a kind. So if you can imagine, he is the prince of the king. He has the best armor. He has the best bow. He has the best sword. He has, not only is it best, right? I don't know if, um, like, let's say, um, how many commercials for, um, forgot which one it is, but both of them kind of work. For a, a Lamborghini, have you ever seen? Never, right? I, I, I might be mixed up on which one is handmade. Valuz, you might know. Is it the Lamborghini or a Ferrari that's like handmade, like it's put together? Ferrari? Yeah, the Ferrari's made off of the Lamborghini, I think. I don't know, I could be wrong. But anyways, let's just say you've never seen a Ferrari commercial, right? Yeah, because the only people that buy a Ferrari are the people that look for one-of-a-kind stuff. Because every single Ferrari is almost like one-of-a-kind. And then they have different, as you start, you know, if you, if you meet different types of people that have a lot of wealth usually, they usually don't buy the best thing. They buy the one-of-a-kind thing. Like I can buy, um, 
I had, um, I had a friend that was uh, really good at worship. And so he had all of these instruments in his house. Uh, he's a really good worship leader. I won't say his name, but um, he was, um, he had this weird looking thing that you, um, it's like a piano or something. And then um, I was like, oh, wow, that's an old looking piano. That looks like a classic. Well, you know who it is. And then he said, um, yeah, I actually got this from, um, like, I forgot who it was, but I actually got this from somebody else and they stopped making it and it's probably one out of the 10 left in the world. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Like, I don't know what that means, but I now know what it means. But he was telling me there's only 10 pianos in the entire planet that sound like this. And I have one of them. He didn't say that, but he, he plays with it because he's looking for that unique sound that only this piano can give. Like, even if you went in front of, like, those classic pianos, you could buy the best piano in multiple places. But the piano that's one of a kind that no longer sells and no longer exists, if you have one of those, that's better than having the best one. So what I'm saying here is that Jonathan had that kind of stuff. He had an armor that was one of a kind to the prince. He had a sword that was one of a kind to him. He had a robe like in Prodigal Son. He would take off his ring and he would take off his best robe and then he gave it to the son because it's one of a kind of his father's robe. And so this is what Jonathan did to his friend. He took off everything that he had that was one of a kind. It was like if someone handed you a Ferrari and said, this is the only Ferrari that was ever made like this. You can have it. And then he's saying, I want, I'm giving you all of this stuff because I want you to know no matter what happens, our friendship is more important than this worldly stuff. This is, I'm a prince. I could be king. Uh, God's anointed. You have to think about this too. He's anointed to be king, David. And Jonathan is the son of the king. So he's not, he's not dealing with any kind of jealousy. He's not dealing with any kind of coveting. He knows he could actually be the next king of the whole kingdom. And he's looking at his friend David, and he's saying, I, I don't know what's going to happen by the end of this, but I do know this, that I will always be committed to you as a friend. And then he gives him everything that he has, and then he goes and discusses with his dad, let's see if he's really trying to kill him. And then he discovers that he is. And um, I actually might, I'll actually go into it right now. But... Um, Oh, yeah, it's the next one. And so this bow is very significant to David. And so I want you to look at some of your relationships. Maybe you do have a relationship that has tested the time with God, right? So let's say you, you have those relationships. And you could look at it how many ups and downs you went through. Or even if you didn't have those relationships, uh, the, the amount of ups and downs a relationship goes through. Now, David and Jonathan, they had so many, so much warfare in their relationship. Can you imagine, let's say, with Antoinette? Let's say Antoinette was um, David. You're the next queen of Israel or whatever. You're the next king of Israel. And then um, let's say I'm Saul. And then I start talking to the president. And then I start making a pact with him where he's going to take all of the military and try and kill her, which is... Um, Imagine if Duterte wanted to kill one of us right now. 
Oh, yeah, that's actually a real situation. <laughs> All right, let's imagine that the Torite wanted to kill one of us right now. And he sent not just 30 or 20 renegade cops to shoot us. What if he sent 7,000 of the best warriors of his entire army and militia? Some of them, they're not even listed because they're such killers. 7,000 of them. If we had one dude trying to kill us right now without the hand of God, it might be a little easy. The only thing that might happen is a chicken might rooster and someone might wake up and maybe someone closed the door at night, which until now we still don't close that sliding door, right? It's so easy for someone to come in and just do something like that. Now, I want you to imagine that right, Antoinette just staying in her little bed, right? She's just, she's just in her little bed. And then imagine if three people were trying to come after her, right? Okay, just think about that. Now think about if 7,000 people were trying to kill her. That's the relationship of David and Jonathan. And then let's say your best friend over here, right? She's like standing as um, Jonathan or something. And then she's my daughter or something. And then she's saying, I'm always going to be your friend no matter how much people try and kill you. And I'm going to do everything I can to try and protect you. And that happens for seven years. For seven years, you got the Tuerte's top killers going after little old Antoinette. And she got her best friend staying friends with her the whole time. I don't know if David's got her bow still, but let's say you gave her her bow. All right. This is what he sings about. Because they, Saul and Jonathan, they die in war. Before David wins, Saul, he's trying to be his own king, but he's still anointed. So on the last chapter of 1 Samuel, he ends up getting into a fight with the Philistines, and he's overwhelmed. And he says, I've killed so many Philistines. They know what I do to them. If they capture me, they're going to torture me for the rest of my life. And then he said, it's better that I kill myself right now then I get tortured by all of these people. So then he starts asking people to kill him. And then he says, no, I'm not going to kill you. You're the king. Like, that's crazy. And then so he just falls on his own sword. And then he kills himself. And that's the faith that then Jonathan dies in battle. And then so David, who's getting killed by the Tuarte all day, just like imagine that, it's kind of a real scenario, and then just imagine that, right? They're trying, to, they're trying to kill you your whole life. I'm trying to kill you my whole life for seven years. And then um, I'm dead. And then Jonathan's dead too, sadly, right? And then this is, and David, who's just this crazy dude. I don't know how he even gets this. He writes a song to them. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, like... Let's say someone that, like, you know, a lot of situations, there's like 20,000 cases of people that were killed in the Philippines extrajudicially. Imagine one of those family members that you see writing a song to the Tuerte of how, oh, I miss you, my anointed one. Now, he's not like, he is called. He's called to be president. The Lord positions people. But I want you to get this, right? This is David's heart. Just wild. All right, this is David. He sings this whole song, and then he says this about David and uh, Saul and Jonathan. 
He says, and he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. He remembers that bow that that friend gave him. And all of these murders and killings and warfare happened for the last almost a decade. And then indeed it was written in the book of Jasher. And this is how it starts out. Or this is, how it, this is what it goes into. The beauty of Israel is slain on the high places. How the mighty have fallen. And so David's relationship throughout this whole time with his friend, I don't know if, if someone's dad was trying to kill you, you might get bitter. I mean, for goodness sake, if we're like in a DTS and sometimes people think someone's backstabbing each other already, imagine what it's like when your friend's trying to kill you and your dad's friend's trying to kill you for seven years and you're with your dad all day kind of thing. That's what's happening here. David and his friendship with Saul, surprisingly, and his friendship with Jonathan, he kept 100% pure the whole time. Just radical above reproach. He didn't let anything destroy the honor he would have with Jonathan and Saul. And he said it, he said it to this degree. Well, actually, here, I'll even say it like this. So a messenger came up to David and said, Saul and Jonathan are dead. And then David killed him. And then he said, how can you even report to me that the anointed one Saul is dead. That's how deep he was in relationship with these people. That's how pure his heart was when it came to his killer, the one trying to kill him. And then after all of this time, Jonathan and David, that one moment before he became an outcast, if you can imagine it, Antoinette's prophesied to be the, the queen of Asia or something. Like she's gonna rule over Asia. And then they separate, and then she gives her her bow, and then she says, I'll always be your friend with God, no matter what happens. Seven years after all of that stuff, the, the name of that song is the song of the bow. It was the moment that my friend made that commitment to me, that no matter what happens, we will be following Jesus. I'll be following Jesus with you. I'll be following the Lord with you. And I'll be interceding, I'll be praying, I'll be fighting with you. That's the type of relationships that keep our first love burning with each other. There's a really clear way that you can see what you'll look like in 20 years. There's a couple of things that, that you think about, but one of them is they say are the books that you read. The second one that they say are the friends that you hang out with. If you wanna know what you'll look like in 20 years, ask yourself, who are my friends today? because you'll look like them. And then if you're not, if you don't have that many friends for whatever reason, it will look like whatever you, you gaze your eyes on, whatever you feed your spirit on, whatever you listen to, that's what you'll become in 20 years. And so this is what David did with Jonathan. For their entire relationship, even to the point of Jonathan dying, they were focused on the Lord and what his will was. And even with Jonathan not becoming king as the prince, he still fought for David's destiny. Completely wild, serving humility. That's the way that we can take initiation with each other. You want to ask yourself, how can I fight for the destiny of my friend? 
How can I honor the reputation of who he is before God? How can I, how can I live in conviction with my roommate or my neighbor or whoever it is that I live with uh, so that everything that we do is focused on the holiness and the purity of Jesus Christ? That's what they did in the, in the midst of war. That's what I love about the Bible is that none of it's easy. That they weren't like, if you look at Buddhism or something, the whole concept of it sometimes is that you reach a place where you have, you're completely, you have like, not, you're, you reach, um, you go through chakras and then you go through enlightenment. It's where you've emptied yourself. So what you find sometimes are monks in the middle of a mountain emptying themselves and they're becoming, they're like one with everything or something like that. They're completely, they're almost non-existent. Jesus and the Christianity is nothing like that. We get persecuted, we get stoned, we get kicked out of our families. We get uh, thrown into jail. We get slandered against the whole world. We're the only people group in the whole world that will be persecuted the most until Jesus Christ comes back. And that's where all of our friendships come from. That's where all of our choice of love comes from. And that's what he's desiring from us.